amazing night. We didn't expect this tonight, so even better. Um, yes, me, Jackie, and Becky now, the subject tonight is prayer, what's the point? So we decided to share it between us because we didn't believe there was just one point to prayer. We believed there were a few points, and we thought, well, if we each share it, God will bless each point. <laughs> so we've had a prayer week in church this week, and um, it's really good that prayer has come tonight. It's been a good week. And the point I'm going to talk on tonight is about relationship, prayer, what's the point? Um, my thoughts on it is that prayer is what brings us into relationship with God. Somebody said to me not so long ago, actually, we don't pray for God's benefit, we pray for our benefit. It's God knows what's going to happen, he, you know, he, he's talking all the time, he's there all the time. But if we are not coming into his presence, we are benefiting more than God is because we are benefiting from being in the presence of God. So just to start how really this has been my passion really for quite a while now is about my prayer life with God, which really is my relationship with God. And God said to me a few years ago, and I can remember him saying, right, if Jesus came back now and he walked into this room, would you run into his arms or would you go and hide behind the chair? And I think what God was saying was, how well do you know me? How well do you know me? Do you, do you pray? Do you spend time with me? Um, would you, a bit like when you meet your husband or, you know, your wife, you know, if, when you see them, you run into their arms because, <laughs> I hope, you know, but you have, a, when you meet somebody, you you build a relationship with them. And as you get to know them more, you want to see them. You, you know, you can't wait to see them. I mean, I don't know what happens years later. I mean, whether we run into each other. But if you get my meaning, you know, it is about um, wanting to be in that prayer time with God. And I've, I've shared this with a few people a little while ago. Um, I just, I read a book which sort of suggested that when... Adam and Eve um, were in the garden. Um, they, they sinned, so they went out to the garden. But when Jesus came back and died for us, for our sin, we are allowed into the presence of God again in a new way. And, but I felt God saying as I was reading this book that a lot of us are still hiding behind the bushes through unforgiveness, through shame, through things in all of our lives, we're sometimes scared to come into the presence of God because we don't really believe he's forgiven us. And that was a huge turning point for me because I suddenly said to God, I am forgiven. I can come into your presence. Jesus, you've made that possible. And I have to be confident in coming into that presence. And we had the verse this week of our prayer week. Um, hang on a minute. It's in yours somewhere. This is the confidence. What was the, uh, <laughs> oh, my finger. I should have, uh, ah, here we go. Yes. Oh, no, it's not on there. Right. But <laughs> it's in there somewhere. This is the confidence. We can come into our relationship with God with confidence because of what Jesus has done. Okay. And then God uh, suggested to me, the verses from, because I was reading them this week, um, John 15, 4. 
Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And putting all this together, <laughs> as I've got to know God more and I've sat, I just felt I've grown. And as I sat at his feet, a bit like Mary did, um, when uh, Mar I remember the story of Martha and Mary. And uh, he said, you have done the best thing, Mary, in sitting at my feet and listening. And as I've done that more, as I've gone nearer to God, gone into more of a relationship with him, sat at his feet, listened to him in the silence, sometimes just listening in the silence, have gone out and done uh, some of the things God has asked me to do. I just felt I've grown because like he said, uh, remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. So we are the branches. That as we sit by Jesus, the, what, the relationship we have for Jesus comes in and changes us by his Holy Spirit. The more time we spend with God, the more we're going to change, the more people around us are going to change, the more as well, actually, we are going to want to come to prayer meetings, <laughs> the more we want to mix with Christians, it's the desire in us that changes. And I know just from personal experience, the more I have spent time in relationship with God in my own life, it's changed me and I want to follow Jesus more. I want to be with him more and I feel my relationship has changed with Jesus. Just to finish off, um, I just put something down that I felt God say to me as I was uh, spending time with him about this. As we walk with him, we will realize his holiness. We'll become more aware of his holiness. We will repent, bow down. We will experience more of his love and mercy and blessings. So many blessings. We will um, feel at one with him. If you didn't spend time with, as I said earlier, with your husband, your wife, your partner, friend, you would drift, you know? We will grow and bear fruit, shine, feel loved, see our prayers answered by spending time with him. And to finish with the verse from Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If we put God first, we will see amazing things happen. Oh, that's it. Thank you, Rachel. Oh, see, teamwork, teamwork. Yes, the verse for Bible Week this week. And this all came from, really, me spending more time with God. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Expectancy, confidence of knowing that we are, um, know God more because we've spent more time with him. We've, we've sought him more. And uh, I just want you all to know that. I just want you all to sit and spend time with Jesus and, and renew that relationship maybe and just come into that beautiful relationship we have with God through his son, Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you in that, my, my point of prayer. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yes, now, Becky's going to come next now. <laughs> You're walking away. Okay, so my point of prayer that we decided was unity. Now, first of all, I was thinking, okay, we're going to talk about unity together as a church. And Julie, I'm sorry if that was the plan, but I kind of went rogue. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you. Okay, so I'm a visual person. I've got to write it all down because I can't remember either. Um, so, yeah, it helps me to have a picture of something in my head for me to grasp it. So, just in case um, you're the same, I'm trying to think of, okay, so here, there's an image of a, a yoke. So, if you're really young, we're talking about a yoke that an ox used to have 
when they were sort of plowing the field. Dad, maybe you remember this. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, so you'd have two cows or oxen going next to each other, and they'd have a plank of wood, and that would join them together in the field. Um, so, yeah, the purpose for this was to help them to pull heavy loads. So they were joined together, they were united in their efforts, but they'd have to go in the same direction. They couldn't go behind, and they couldn't go in front. Can't turn pages while holding a microphone, can you? Okay, so with this in mind, if you have the, the image of the two oxen going together with their yoke, joining them, they can't go behind, they can't go in front. I'm going to read Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was a rabbi or a teacher, and rabbis had two things, a yoke and disciples or apprentices. The yoke wasn't a literal yoke, it was an idiom used to teach. Jesus' set of teachings, or this yoke, thinking again of our visual, were teachings on how to be human and how to shoulder the at times crippling weight of life, whether it's marriage, divorce, prayer, money, lust, conflict, resolution, government, all of it, even the coronavirus, I'm adding that in. Um, being a disciple or apprentice of Jesus was to organize our life around three basic goals. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he would do if he were you. So you may be wondering what all this has got to do with prayer. So this image of the yoke and how to be an apprentice of Jesus revolves around the concept of unity. I did bring it back, Julie, you're okay. So I love this paraphrase of these verses that Jesus says, get in the yoke with me. Let me disciple you. I'll bear the weight of your burden. My yoke is good, and you will find rest and companionship in our labor together. And how do we do all of this? Through prayer and submission to Jesus. But this is the big challenge. In our current culture and age, busyness and hurry seem to be the accepted norm. And I love this quote, ironically, by Corrie ten Boom, who we had yesterday in her performance, which is incredible. And she said... Um, but if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And I think that's a big truth. Um, but the author, John Mark Comer, said similar. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God and to other people and to even to your own soul. So are we skimming over our lives at breakneck pace and not really living? Has our connection to God been interrupted by different interruptions and interceptions, or have we completely left God hanging out on the other side waiting for us to pick up the conversation again? We aren't really meant to do life alone, and Jesus offers to shoulder life with us in unity with him. Walter Adams, the spiritual director of C.S. Lewis, says, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. So my challenge is to me and to you, are we in such a hurry in life that we're actually rushing ahead of Jesus and missing the life to the full he has for us of slowing down, accepting his yoke? He offers to shoulder the burdens we carry and to lighten our load and to walk in step with him. So are we in such a hurry that we miss that this invitation at our peril? Slow down, make time to talk to Jesus, walk in step with him in unity, allowing him to lighten the load. 
And then this old hymn came to mind, and I can't remember the start of it, but the end of it was, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And the point was, yeah, we struggle, and we try to do life on our own, and we're not meant to. And it's all because we don't carry it to him in prayer. So, yeah. You've got a sweaty microphone. Thanks. <laughs> Did you say something about coronavirus? <laughs> so Becky apologized for going rogue. I've gone completely rogue. <laughs> but um, thinking about the, the points that um, Becky and Julie said, and just to remind you that uh, Julie said that prayer is something that bonds us to God. And Becky was saying about unity. So my question is, so I have a question to ask us all. Why is it that I find it so hard to pray? And I just wondered if other people feel exactly the same as me, that I struggle to pray. I can always find other things to do. I can always give a good excuse why not to do it. The ironing, I'm tired, or there's just something good on the television. It can be anything, but I've got a feeling that possibly we are all the same. I don't know, but that's me anyway. But um, I think the reason we struggle are the points that you made. Because it's about our unity and it's about our connection to God. And as Christians, if we read our Bibles and we believe what our Bibles say, we understand that we've got an enemy. And our enemy's purpose is to stop us having unity with our Father God and to stop us um, having unity with each other. And for me, I think that's why we all struggle with prayer. So, if we look at John 10, 10, it says that our enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He's come to kill, steal, and, our and destroy our, our relationship with God, but he's also doing that with each other. But in John 10, 10, Jesus says something completely different, but I have come that you might have life in all its fullness and all its abundance. If I were your enemy, so think of me as your enemy. <laughs> Not, but think of me as your enemy. <laughs> and I was at war with you, and you were a Christian. I would hurl every single weapon I could at you, I could throw at you, to stop you in your relationship with Jesus. Whatever I had, I tell you what, it would be war. I would want to disrupt and I'd want to destroy your relationship with God. And also I'd want that to happen with each other. And make your relationships with any other Christians or brothers and sisters as dysfunctional and as toxic as I possibly can if I were your enemy. 
So why is prayer so hard? I think if we thought outside of the box, perhaps just a little bit more, we, I think we find it hard because we're in a fight and we're in a battle. And if we just sat back and thought, why is it I find it so difficult to pray? And thought about the enemy attacking me and not wanting me to make to grow and build my relationship with my heavenly father, I think I might fight just a little bit more so he wouldn't win. Um, I think our enemy is very fearful of the power that there is in prayer. James 5.16 in the Passion Translation says this, for tremendous power is released through the passionate heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. I love that. But as I was thinking about that, I thought, I think this, that our enemy believes in prayer far more than you and I do. Because if he didn't, I don't think he'd fight us so much to stop us. I just want to say that again, and I'm going to read it so I don't get it wrong. I sometimes think our enemy believes prayer is more powerful than we do. And so, with this in mind, I've got a challenge. And obviously, I didn't know how well you were going to get baptized tonight. But it sort of fits in. I couldn't quite believe it. But I've got two young helpers, two handsome boys to help. Don't just nod. You, Yeah. So do you want to take your positions? We've had a little chat and we think it might work. But anyway, in these tins is a band. I'm afraid they're a bit boring. I could only get black. That's it. Thank you. That's good. Have you done this before? No. no. <laughs> and what I, my challenge to us as individuals, you don't have to do it, but let's try it for a week. I'm going to give you all a band. And as we think of how we'll get him baptized tonight, and Danny got baptized this morning, I think if you're like anything like our family, you've got people in your family that don't know Jesus, or that did know him and have just toddled off and done their own thing, or you've got friends that have done that. And my challenge to myself and to you this week is that we wear this band around our wrist every single day and every time you look at it and every time you touch it that you remember one person that needs to know Jesus and we powerfully wholeheartedly pray like James said for that one person for a week because if prayer is powerful and effective like he says it is we believe it's going to make a difference so shall we see if it does shall we put Dare we put God to the test? If he said it, let's do it. And if you want to do it for a little bit longer, until it wears out, you can just buy another one. But, you know, should we give it a go? And let's see if this becomes not a rarity, but something that is happen, happening regularly. So, thank you. I'm not sure what happens now, but... Rachel. <laughs>